Alright, this is Ricky. And this is Brendan. And you're listening to A Gentleman's Disagreement. What I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find in a case of lion's head. Folks of different minds because even though it did not share the pains we share that American ideal. Friends made over arguments in an early morning buzz. Need an early morning buzz. Well, Brendan, we're back. It's July 20th now. Somehow this summer uh, seems to be getting more and more away from us. Um, and, you know, even with these long days, it seems to be hard to find um, hard to find some time. But the sun is shining first time in a couple of weeks here in Boston. So it uh, seems like a good day to record. What are we uh, what are we talking about this week? You're right. The summer is just absolutely flying by. I, I can't believe it. I don't know if that's like we're getting old or maybe it happens every summer and we just forget like how quickly that th- these days go. But it does feel like it just goes so quickly these days. Uh, but this is actually a week that we have been waiting for for a year and actually five years in some ways. So the Olympic Games, the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games kicks off this Friday, July 23rd, 2021. And so we decided that we're going to do something a little bit different this episode and just talk about the Olympics. And there's a lot of dynamics to this particular uh, Olympic Games, and we're going to dive into all of the different aspects of that. So that, that's what we got on tap for this episode. Um, but Ricky, as always, before we get into this episode, we have to remind everybody out there that this podcast is brought to you by the hardworking craftsmen at Cannon Hill Woodworking. They've been building handcrafted high-end custom tables and desks in Boston since 2018. Canon with two ends, Ricky. You can check them out on Instagram. You can also check us out on Instagram uh, or visit them online at www.cannonhillwood.com. Guys at Cannon Hill want to remind you that a table has a three inch long skirt, but yours should be longer if you plan to go out in public. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know what that means exactly <laughs> about the table. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully you got what the second half of that means. Uh, but yeah, if, if you want to know, why don't you give the guys a call? See see what the deal is with their tables. Teaching opportunity. Exactly. Great. All right. Uh, so Tokyo Olympics starts this Friday. Like I said, it's it's a year in the making. It was canceled last year because we were, we were smack in the middle of the worldwide pandemic at the time. We are not out of that worldwide pandemic right now. And uh, even though it seems, you know, particularly up here in the Northeast of the United States, that the pandemic is over and has been over for a couple months world. And it's certainly not that way in Japan. And so it's, I guess like my first question for you, Ricky is like, should we be holding this, these Olympic games at all? Yeah, that is definitely the question of the day. Right. I, um, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I mean, a part of me feels like this is kind of exactly what we need maybe um, as a world or something to just feel like we're getting back to some semblance of the reality that we had pre-COVID. But like you said, at the same time, it's not really over in big parts of the world. So um, I don't. I don't, I think it's like, I think you're almost, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
it's been like everything with coronavirus and, the, and COVID, right? No, any, any of the leaders, the decision makers, there's been like no right answer to this because it's something that no one has faced in our lifetimes. You know, it, it was maybe obvious that you shouldn't hold games in the middle of global wars and obvious that you should hold games when there are maybe regional conflicts going on and you try to bring the world together. But something like this, it, like I said, it continues to be unprecedented. But so let's talk about Japan a little bit. Japan, obviously, perhaps one of the most developed nations in the world, but they have lagged behind most other nations in their vaccine rollouts. I believe something only like 25% of their population is vaccinated. And cases have been on the rise there in, in recent weeks, in recent months, uh, particularly in, in Tokyo, where the games are being held. Uh, the cases have hit highs like week over week um, over, over the past month. And at first, the organizers said that we're not going to allow any foreign fans in. And that, that seemed to make, you know, disappointing for a lot of like the athletes' families that couldn't watch, but also made some sense. Uh, and then the organizers said that we're not going to allow fans at any of the events at all because they don't want people gathering closely, which again, super unfortunate, but you know, if you're, the primary goal has to be safety and you're trying to keep people safe. Um, on the other hand, like you're inviting, I think it's close to like 11,000 athletes are, are coming into Tokyo f- for these games and have been arriving over these, these past couple of weeks. Uh, coronavirus like cases are on the rise, not only within the citizens of, of Tokyo and citizens of Japan, but within the athletes who are coming and now from all over the world and are testing positive now. Uh, and I read something that I think like 68% of citizens of Japan at this point were were, didn't really want the games to be happening at this point. Like they, they were upset that the games had been going on and that that's, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard because like I say, for me as a fan of the, of sports and like wanting to see the United States in, in these, the great athletes that we have from our country, but some of the great athletes we have from other countries and just like the global competition and the fact that coronavirus feels like it's the pandemic feels like it's a little bit behind us where we live I'm all in favor of having it. I don't know that I would be in favor of having it in Boston. You know, it's like one of those like not in my backyard type things. So I, like you said, I, I don't know. I, I'm conflicted about it. Like personally, I'm glad that it's happening. But even today, I read this headline on ESPN, I think like this morning that the organizer of the game said that he wasn't against canceling it. Like <laughs> the games are starting in like three days. Like there's thousands of athletes there and they're like, hey, we might still cancel it. So yeah, like you said, I don't, there's no good answer. I guess personally, I'm glad it's happening is it maybe a little irresponsible? I guess that's to be determined. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the, I guess they're, they're, you know, the, the not allowing foreign fans, there was some precedent in that with like what the Euro cup did recently. Um, but it's, it's so tough for this, for the Olympics in particular, because these are sports that, by and large, you know, aside from kind of some of the major like basketball or whatever, don't really have any fans ever. And so the Olympics are that is that once in a once every four years like showcase of these, uh, you know, very like a, a eclectic or esoteric, for lack of a better word, you know, these these amazing individuals who really like are supremely talented at these really weird niche things, yeah. but it's like, it's very cool to see. And it's very cool to see them kind of being able to do that in front of spectators. And there is, there's so much about the Olympics. That's just 
bringing together fans from different countries that, um, you know, as much as like, there's a spectacle, there's also just like a lot of like good feelings. I think that, um, that I sort of associate with the Olympics because of its ability to just like bring together people, um, which will definitely not be there. And then, you know, for Japan financially, like the Olympics in general are a huge investment for any host country. And usually, you know, part of your, uh, I mean, obviously you kind of lift the stature, but Tokyo is already a world-class city, right? So in, in large part, you make that investment because you get tons of people to come and spend a lot of money in your city and you're going to get none of that right now. So you're dealing with the logistical nightmare, um, potentially contributing to a, a more a, a spread of a, a deadly virus and also seeing no financial benefit really. <laughs> stuff you can see why most japanese people are like what, what why are we doing this again <laughs> yeah. uh i feel to go back to you know being in the middle of the seaside here which is not hot take city like on the one hand i'm, I'm really thrilled for the athletes because if this games was canceled it, you know this was their chance right you wouldn't get another one until uh 2024 and by that point a large majority of these athletes would have been would have like aged out of if not their primes and their sports entirely right so uh I'm happy for them that they're getting the chance to showcase their skills on the world stage. Like they had been building to for the last five years. On the other hand, like super disappointing that you're going, these events that you have where many of which like all sports, you thrive off of a crowd. There is no crowd. And you know, like this whole, the spectacle, even working for five years, you're just going to be doing in front of empty arenas, empty stadiums. And then I, I think I, I saw that you can't, um, stand on the podium anymore like they're not going to have the the three people standing on the podium and like you don't get this when you medal you're not going to be able to get up there and you know have the medal hung around you on the podium and get to see your flag come down and hear your national anthem and you don't also like some of like, the ancillary benefits like you don't get to go watch the other athletes events like and like even the opening ceremonies I think a lot of people are skipping understandably so because they don't want to be around these people but like those like those are the spectacles that make the Olympics the Olympics of all this the world's like greatest athletic talent all there and being able to go to each other's events and hang out with each other and, and participate in these, these, when all the countries are together and they, for the athletes, many of whom like particularly, you know, we're going to talk about some of the athletes later and these athletes have been, many have been Olympians before and maybe will be Olympians in the future, but the vast majority of Olympians are probably not going to get this chance again. And this is going to be their experience. And like, that's disappointing I'm disappointed for them in, in that sense. Yeah, I, I suppose in, in all of your questions, selfishly, I hadn't really been thinking about the athletes. Um, and I guess in particular, just, just like you were saying that, yeah, that for many of them, this is kind of their last shot at it. Uh, and you, you hate to see it robbed, but then you also hate, you would hate to for them not to get that opportunity at all. I think one of the other things that you mentioned that I've just been thinking about a lot with, with sports, like in the time, in the times of COVID that have just, there's like a lot of like, you're impressed that they're able to kind of manage these large events. Um, but then you're also like, you're kind of shaking your head at the absurdity, like watching NBA games where a coach has his like mask on and the mask is on the chin for like half of it. And he like picks it up and then he's yelling it. He pulls it down to yell at the referee. 
and and stuff like that like like you were saying like they're not allowed to get the medal put around them or stand on the podium next to the athletes that they were sweating and like grunting next to 30 seconds before it's like some of this stuff like just defies science and logic and it's it's got to be frustrating for for athletes as well because i i can't understand how a lot of this stuff makes any sense well it doesn't it's just totally arbitrary and like that's been always our at least my biggest gripe with the some of the coronavirus like rules and regulations where it's it just doesn't seem to make any logical sense like not allowing fans and fine makes sense not allowing like not people to stand on the podium like you said I guess the people they just compete again makes no sense to me but you know here it's it's been interesting to see some of the athletes who um who sports kind of transcend the olympics so maybe we're talking about basketball or tennis or soccer for example saying that like, Hey, I don't want to go. Maybe it's, it's safety reasons, but some have cited that like, I don't want to go because like, there's no fans here. Like that's not enjoyable for me. Or the reason I would want to go to the Olympics is to go like see other events and see these other world-class athletes. And I don't get to do that. Like, what's the point? And while that's not true for the vast majority of Olympic events, like you said, that are not well-known and their stage is the Olympics can choose many of whom deciding yeah i'd rather just not do it yeah yeah you you can totally uh sympathize or empathize with that just that i'm not i'm not getting the experience that that the olympics sort of promise so i'm i'm gonna pass on it it's it's too bad because the olympics are in so many ways like really a representation kind of like, you know, a world, a world cup for soccer, just like the best of the best. And you, and that's what you want to see when you turn it on. You don't want the thought like, Oh, well, so-and-so is winning because such and such person's not here. Um, but speaking of which that may be a good segue into one of the other things or one of the notable uh, absentee uh or participants that we hope to see in the Olympics, but we will no longer um, Shikari Richardson, who uh, for those who have not heard her story um, qualified, like uh, qualified during, or, you know, ran extremely well during qualifying. She's a sprinter in track and field um, was fast in a way, or like far and away becoming a gold medal favorite for the events that she was going to run in, um, was recently disqualified from the Olympics for testing positive for marijuana, which she acknowledged. Um, so there's no kind of question of whether it was a true test or not. Um, and she's been uh, suspended by the U.S. Ugh, the what? I'm not sure if it's the Track and Field Association or who it is, but essentially she had a one-month suspension, which basically carries through uh, all of her events, except for maybe there's like a slim possibility that she could run, I guess, in one of the relays if um, like her suspension would be over, but she's not going to do that, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough one that has elicited a lot of feelings. Um, curious uh, how you feel about it. Devastated for her. Uh, so just to build out off what you were saying, um, Shakari Richardson, 21 year old uh, went to LSU was a NCAA star and in, in the short distance events 60 meters 100 meters 200 meters won the 100 meter trials at the United States so uh, would have been a, a 
huge favorite to contend for a medal, if not the gold medal as, as the fastest woman in the world and, you know, is, is disqualified and didn't get selected for the team. So there's, there's no chance at this point that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm devastated for her. And so even some more background is that she had gone through some trauma in, in the previous months in her personal life, uh, things to do with, with her birth mother and, and the, the death of that woman. And, uh, like you said, she was very upfront. Was like, yeah, I, I smoked marijuana. It, it helped me stay calm and get get through some hard times. And we we know that you know many states here in the United States have legalized marijuana for medicinal purposes. Many others have legalized it for recreational purposes. But you, it's kind of like the rules are the rules. And I, uh, it's you know what's hard is that there was like this, this this outcry, understandably so, that this was just unjust to this woman and it it speaks to in some ways a larger history of unjust enforcement of drug penalties against young black people um and i think a lot of people in in this day and age pointed to that and said like look at the you know u.s track and field association look at the u.s olympic committee like keeping this this woman down on this like arbitrary thing that's legal to do in in most states here and we know that marijuana is not a performance enhancing drug as a sprinter right like she's not smoking before races and going out and running faster because she smoked and so there's like a big uproar understandably so but you know unfortunately a lot of that uproar was directed at the wrong people it's it's an olympic rule and that you you can't smoke marijuana it's not the united states track and field association that created this rule the u.s olympic committee it's uh you know it it goes across all sports, all, all countries, and it, it's the Olympics rule. And I don't know, it, it's hard because, like I said, my personal feelings of like marijuana in particular is that it should be legalized uh, you know, here in the United States, but it's everywhere in the United States. But it's not really my place to say if it should be legalized in other countries. And what the US, what the Olympic Committee is trying to do is try to keep all athletes on the same playing field. And so if, if something's you know, if drugs are legal, particularly drugs are legal here in the United States or in France or in Russia or Egypt or Nigeria or Brazil or wherever, like you can't say, well, because it's like legal in your country, it's, you know, you're good, good. Countries can't. And not that this would necessarily happen, but say, for example, that Russia legalized amphetamines or, um, you know, the UK legalized steroids or whatever, like that, like, and you, it would be hard to say that well, it's legal in this country, so you're able to do it. So I, not that marijuana is, like I said, it's not the same kind of performance enhancer, but the Olympic Committee, International Olympic Committee, I think is just trying to keep all the athletes on the same level. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm gutted for her, but I mean, it's, it's I don't, I don't know. There's, I don't necessarily think there's like a bad guy that you can point at here and say that, that, that this person or this organization is, is keeping this woman down. Yeah, um, I, I guess I would start by completely agreeing with you on, 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 on pretty much everything in there. Um, I, you know, wholeheartedly support legalization of marijuana uh, in, in the United States. That being said, I actually have no problem with the Olympics choosing uh to have some kind of policy against it. And, you know, unfortunately, specifically the policy is not like you can never have smoked marijuana ever. It is very like related to competition periods. 
and like you're even allowed to have trace amounts of it in your system you know had you smoked like two weeks before or something like that would actually still be okay um the i think i think i i guess a couple things about the reaction one yeah is that everybody immediately went to that this is another example of kind of a historically racist system continuing to do what it has always done without care, like without actually analyzing the fact. And I think exactly as you said, one, it's not a U.S. rule. The U.S. just adheres to the Olympic codes of conduct, which has this policy. And two, I think it should be like as much as I support the legalization of marijuana from like a federal standpoint, I don't think we should be putting anybody in prison over it. I think individual organizations and businesses should be fully within their rights to not want to be associated with marijuana or not want to have their employees or their athletes or their students smoking marijuana. Similarly with alcohol or any, any other type of substance, I think it really just, I mean, you know, the way that we protect free speech, right? It should be protected at the federal level, but individual organizations should still have their own, uh, sort of freedom to decide what they want to be and not want to be associated with. Um, of course, the spectator in me is devastated. Yeah. I think she, I mean, she's got this like incredible, she's a showman on top of being just insanely good. Just like, you know, similar to Usain Bolt kind of, um, I was really excited to see uh, what she would have done out there. And so, you know, I, you love to want to bend the rules, but at the end of the day, like you said, the rules are the rules and they have to be applied equally to everybody. Otherwise, you know, there's really no point in having them. Um, so yeah, continue to be heartbroken for her. I'm happy that she's young. Um, and yeah. she's, you know, hopefully in four years we'll, we'll get to, or, or three, will it be done in 20? Right. Yeah. 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 So that, that's, what's kind of cool is like, she'll have a chance, like you said, you know, she, she'll be, 24 in three years and you know 28 in another seven like you know knock on wood she's got another couple olympics left in her and certainly the the global community or the united states community at the least will be rooting for her and, and hoping that she has a chance to go get that gold medal at some point in her future yeah definitely, definitely all right um when we come back let's continue to talk about the united states team talk about some other athletes other teams other events that we're looking forward to in um athletes that you know in, in a more positive way are, are going you know knock on where they're going to be there and actually competing in Tokyo so the summer olympics are my favorite of the two olympics because they have some of the events that i like the most uh particularly for me, track and field and swimming are my top two, but I, I get into gymnastics around this time of year. Uh, I do like watching the tennis, the basketball is playing um, soccer, particularly women's soccer, but you know, the men have their version of, of soccer too. Um, those are the events like top of my head that I am most looking forward to, but you know, curious to hear Ricky, what, like what are some of the events that you love about the summer Olympics and what are you looking forward to this year? Good question. I love everything about uh, the Olympics in general. Summer Olympics, like you said, I think uh, just a little bit more, a little, a little bit more than the Winter Olympics typically. But both are awesome. I'm a 
definitely with you track and field for me is, is probably the top um, one that I will be sure to tune into. Um, I like more sports that I don't see much of. So I probably won't watch a ton of the Olympic basketball or soccer. Um, I will be definitely tuning in to, or at least trying to catch a little bit of like table tennis and badminton. I love sports that I play and like watch it like, you know, a hundred X better than I could ever dream of. Well, it's like with like those sports, it's like, I don't, I don't play that sport. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know like what you're, we're calling that. I don't think they're calling that the same thing. We might be calling it the same thing, but it's not the same sport that we're yeah. playing. Right. I've never seen like table tennis require, like requiring like 20 feet of clearance behind the table. Just like, I've no idea what that is, but it is, it's awesome to see. Um, and similarly like badminton and the racket speed is just like in incredible um and and those kinds of things are just fun to watch i remember or not remember i feel like recently i've seen a tweet or an instagram where it's just like i want them to just like put like a regular person out there just you know yeah understand it was was about golf yeah 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 yeah. just so you can tell like how much better these these guys are and these women are um than than your average joe and uh yeah, but like, yeah, this the diving, the synchronized diving, gymnastics is is super cool. I love feats of just like humans shouldn't be able to do that, but like here they are, just you know, spinning and flipping in insane ways. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I lo- I love to see the athletes too when they like just like know that they nailed something or like that kind of intensity you know, watching it, you get, you, you feel a little bit of that. And it's, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. What do you, uh, what, what else are you looking forward to about these games? Yeah. So let's talk about the events. Let's, let's start with track and field because it seems like both of us really enjoy it. I, I love track and field. Uh, and I try to watch it here and there, like in the off season, they do something called like the diamond league that ha- goes in, on in Europe uh, every summer. And there's the world championships every two years in the United States championship. So I, I mean, I tune into the, the big events, but um, a couple women's uh, runners that I'm particularly excited for. So one, Allison Felix, who is like one of my all time favorite runners. This is her fifth Olympics. She's 35 years old. Uh, and has been a star like I said, since she was in her late teens and has run the 200 and the 400. And she, it was a big deal. She had a, a baby a couple of years ago and it was a big deal for her to come back and, and really just run it all. And it was a question of, can she get back up to her top form? And then she made the team in, in the 400. So she'll run the 400 and the probably maybe the 400 meter relay uh, and be in contention for another medal, which I, I believe is uh, would, would put her like uh I think she would equal Carl Lewis's record for most Olympic medals by a track and field athlete. And Carl Lewis is a, a legend in, in the world of track and field. So the fact that Allison Felix is even potentially doing that is, is incredible, but I've always loved watching her and I'm excited for her. Maybe my favorite individual race that we're going to see is, this is so like random is the women's 400 meter hurdles. So the United States has the two best women in the world. These women, um, Dalila Muhammad, but Sydney McLaughlin raced in the Olympics four years ago as an 18 year old she was she was the youngest one there and she raced in this the 400 meter hurdles and uh but Dalila Muhammad won gold in that race 
and then over the, the previous four years, like they've raced against each other. And Dalil Muhammad held the world record for a number of years until Sydney McLaughlin broke it at the US championships. And so these are not only one and two in the world, but also potentially breaking the world record every time they go out there. And they're 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 friends, but rivals, you know, they're it's just that classic, like they just push each other to be better. And once you know, Muhammad won and set the world record. Sydney Lachlan was like, my goodness, she ran like an all-time, her personal best time it was the second fastest time of all time. And she was blown out by Dalila Muhammad and then pretty much did the same thing to her back at the, the track at the U.S. championship. So those are two races, three women in particular that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, but I even like the women, they have, the United States has a couple of women that are excellent at the steeplechase, you know, the steeplechase. That's the one where like they have the hurdles and they have to go in the water and then they oh, run around okay. the track a bunch of times. It's like the old school race. Yeah. Uh, so I think this woman, Emma Colburn, I forget the woman, the second woman's name, but I like they have the United States is they compete against like Kenya in that race. And then uh, the United States typically has some women that are pretty competitive in some of the longer distance races, like the 800, the 1600. So on the women's side, there's there's a lot to look forward to in, in track and field. Yeah, I, uh, I I love that you're you're super keyed in on a lot of the the U.S. athletes. I think one of the things that I look forward to about the Olympics is some of the smaller countries, some of the more like underdeveloped or developing countries getting to send. They send like you know maybe five, maybe a delegation of ten people. I was remembering like the opening ceremonies, like the U.S. delegations, like a thousand of the eleven thousand, and then there's yeah. like you know a few people behind them in in uh, you know, one or two people is the flag bearer. They're also like 50% of the delegation and, you know, they're, they're only hoping a medal or something like that. And I, I love to see those, those countries get an opportunity, um, to just, yeah, to, to bring a little notoriety to, to where they are or, you know, where they're from and share some of their culture. Um, and the Olympics are such a great stage for that. It's, it is, it's one of those things where, um, as a younger person, sports really encapsulate that like ultimate meritocracy. Um, and maybe it is that way once you get there, but I think, you know, as you grow up and you grow older, you understand that it isn't, even if it, if everyone is under the same set of rules or, and same level playing field, when they get to the games, like getting to the games, for different people is a very, very different journey. And this is not to take away from anybody who, who makes it there. I mean, these are phenomenal athletes and, and, and people. And, uh, but there, there are certain, certain athletes that come from certain countries that really uh, their stories are just like incredible. And I can't, I mean, I'm, I can't wait to hear about the people that I know nothing about Um, that. That's, you know, one of the things I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah, that's true. I think for both, it's, it's really well said, a nice global perspective. That's true also for these, many of the U.S. athletes who will be introduced to for the very first time. And these, these like you said, esoteric events that all of a sudden I'll be like yelling at the TV for these athletes that I had, I literally just heard about 30 seconds ago. You know, and like that, that's always really fun. I want to throw a couple other names at you for the U.S. men's track and field team to keep an eye on. Um, Trayvon Bromel in the 100 meters, Grant Holloway, 110 meter hurdles. Noah Lyles, dude's electric in the in the 200 meters. Michael Norman in the 400 meters, and Rye Benjamin 400 meter hurdles. Um, those are all some guys that could potentially compete for medals and gold medals, and keep an eye on them. Uh, let's talk gymnastics. 
So gymnastics is one of those sports that like, if, again, I pay attention to every four years or so, but these young women generally become stars. Like I could name top, top of my head here, like Carly Patterson, I think won in 04, uh, Nastia Lucan won in 08, uh, Gabby Douglas in 2012, Simone Biles in 2012. I, I could name the last four gold medalists, all from the United States, which obviously makes it easier. And I'm biased on that, but still, like these become these women be, tend to become stars. And Simone Biles is back, the great the greatest gymnast of all time. It's it's unquestioned. Um, she has the most Olympic uh, medals for United in my United States history. I think there's a someone from this. Union who still has more than her that she could potentially tie in this Olympics, but all eyes will be on Simone Biles in what's almost assuredly her, her final Olympics. And then the United States team in general, the United States team has won at least the last two team all around uh, medals. I'll have to double check that, but i uh, really looking forward to seeing Simone and, and the rest of the team and, and see how they do and competing against a lot of good, whether it's Russia or, or China, um, some pretty serious competition in, in women's gymnastics. Yeah, those uh like the the pommel horse and whatever the one where they get catapulted like it just the vault yeah, the vault insane Ma- michaela maroney i remember her from uh the last one just flying all over the place as well. i think dude, you want to feel old i think she was 2012 i'm so old yeah ali raisman who was here from massachusetts the local girl she did uh she did i think 12 and 16 um, so every once in a while, I'll see her out at a bar and I'll be like, oh, that's Ellie Raisman. She's quite small. Uh, <laughs> no, I, that's the thing about the gymnasts. They always shoot them like from the angle from the floor. You don't realize that most of them cap out at five feet. Right. And they're all the same size. So like, there's not like, you know, like, wherever there's a girl that's like five, two on there. You're like, oh, my goodness, she's huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another gymnast, though, um, Suni, Sunisa Lee from the United States. Uh, she's the first. I'm not going to say this right. Hmong. H-M-O-A-N-G, um, so a Kamong uh, gymnast to make the United States team. We, did, we didn't pronounce that right. I think it's just Hmong, but I'm not. Hmong, I Hmong. think that's wrong, too. All right. Um, so, one, it's always cool when something historic like that happens. But, two, uh, on the second day of the U.S. Olympic trials, Simone Biles was a little bit off, and Suni Lee had a higher score than her. And it's the first time in, like, seven years that in any day of competition, any gymnast in the world had, high, had a higher score than Simone Biles. So one, I think Simone Biles will be coming in with a chip on her shoulder. Uh, she's got two different, like, I don't know, moves, tricks that are, are like named after her. Like the, it's called the Biles because she's the only one to ever do it. So she remains like the favorite for gold, but it'll be cool to see this other um, younger girl. I think she's only like 18 or 19, Suni Lee competing as well. Um, other things, other events to, to keep an eye on. You're going to watch any of the tennis? I kind of get my fill when it comes to I like I feel like I have to make some decisions and I kind of get my fill when it comes to like US Open and Wimbledon so yeah. I probably will will skip the tennis. I know that Coco Goff, right? She's not going to be able Devastating. to Devastating. That's another one where it's like, oh, got it for her. So just Coco Goff, 17-year-old American phenom. I uh, she's kind of burst onto the scene as a 15-year-old probably the closest thing we have to a, a young tennis star since Venus and Serena. Uh, also just magnetic personality, hardworking, super humble, and made, made the Olympic team through her performance in Wimbledon. Uh, and then unfortunately just last week tested positive for COVID. So not going to be able to attend. So that's another athlete where it's really unfortunate. Yeah. 
another one who's young and hopefully, uh, you know, just hitting her stride. So we'll see more of her. Yeah, something to watch for in the Olympic men's tennis side. Novak Djokovic, uh, if you're a tennis fan, you know he won the Australian Open, the French Open, Wimbledon already. Uh, if potentially, you know, knock on wood, if you're a Novak fan, which I am. Uh, if, if he wins the gold here in Tokyo and then he'll have the U.S. Open in New York in September, no man has ever done that. Um, Steffi Graf did it on the women's side back in 1988, but it has never been done by a man before. So um, something historic to keep an eye on on the tennis side. Uh, U.S. Uh, the swimming. You got you got any dogs in the in the swimming fight? Um, I, I haven't really been following. I mean, I I remember like the the Katie Ledecky of of yes. that last that was last Olympic. Oh, she's she's still there and still okay. talking. All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to her racking up. I think they said she could catch Phelps. Maybe in like total medals. Okay. No, that, that's not right. Phelps has like 26. I mean, she still might be able to catch him long term, but uh, Katie Ledecky is a, a long distance swimmer for the United States and is as dominant an athlete in any sport as there is in the world. Well, all right. Facts. Like, yeah. Everyone should, everyone should go watch Katie Ledecky. Yeah. Uh, there's also a, also I, like super humble and unassuming for how ridiculously like good she is. Yeah. Uh, there's I also, would, I would definitely talk smack if I had game like that to back it up. <laughs> this is that's probably why you don't. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's a monster men swimmer too, Caleb Dressel. I, uh, who, who has a, has a shot to rack up a, a serious medal count there. Um, the basketball team, the United States basketball team, will be competing for gold they've not done well in their their preliminary matches so uh and they're like the, the the lead up you know uh exhibitions before the olympics so it'll be interesting to see um led by kevin durant also jason tatum for for any of the boston fans around there is on the team be interesting to see how they do they look vulnerable for the first time in, in a couple of olympics yeah which i think makes it a little bit more interesting because typically they're uh blowing teams out by yeah. 30 or 40. Yeah, it'll be this it'll be almost like a, a little bit of an underdog story. I mean, they should still be the best, but given how they performed and something like Bradley Beal is another one that didn't is not going to make it through for COVID reasons. So um it'll be interesting to see how they do. Last uh thing that I want to talk about here was uh the US women's Olympic soccer team. So women's Olympic soccer, it's the best teams in the world. You send all of your best players and these are some of the most famous female athletes in the United States and some of the most famous female athletes in the world, many of whom are getting up there in age and potentially this is their last time on a major stage. So when we're thinking some of these people like Carly Lloyd, um, who's number 10, who, who's been, she's 39, uh, but she's a striker. This might be her last run. Megan Rapino, who um, many people probably know, uh, she's often got the pink hair she's blonde she's uh, the winger you know been a star for the united states maybe their most important player for the last decade she's 36 and then some other people play the, the u.s captain becky sauerbrunn who plays defense is 36 and then the forwards tobin heath is 33 alex morgan's 32 christian press is 32 so the u.s women well i guess i should also say this is they won the world cup a couple of years ago and no nation has ever won the world cup and the Olympics back to back. And so as dominant as the U S has been, they've been like, Hey, we won the world cup, but lost the Olympics or won the Olympics, but lost the world cup. So they still have a chance in this Olympics and they are the heavy favorites to win the Olympics, but um, to kind of go out 
and do something that's never been done in women's soccer before. So that, that'll also be something I'm, I'm looking forward to. Yeah. A lot, a lot of good action. Um, yeah. I guess if I'll do another plug for uh, <laughs> uh, just a, just, you know, as the medal counts for the U S and a lot of like Western countries rack up, I'll definitely be keeping my eye on India, which from a population to metal count standpoint, I think the ratio is about as, as bad as you can get. They have like four <laughs> in the total of like, in the, in like maybe 10 Olympics um, that they've competed in, but uh, typically put on a good show in me- men's field hockey. So I may, I may be tuning into that action. We'll see. <laughs> right. Ricky, you keep us updated. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let the people that goes. <laughs> All right. uh, When we come back, we will wrap this by talking about some of our favorite uh, historic memories and, and looking ahead to the 2022 games. So in some ways it feels like we get all excited as the Olympics come up and then for two weeks they like dominate our lives and the sporting headlines and the headlines in general. And we're super invested in these athletes and then, then they're over and it's kind of like, well, they're over. And you just, you go on and move on to their lives and I'm, I'll get back to, you know, the NFL training camp is starting up and what's going on in the NBA draft and baseball's playoffs are coming up and all of these other things. And it feels like it's kind of in one year out the other. And of course there are certain national consciousness, the international consciousness between Olympics, but they are honestly few and far between. So you know, looking back on it, it's almost difficult. There's not a ton that I, specific events that I remember, but I think that makes the events that I do specifically remember even more special. So Ricky, what, what are some of the ones that you remember watching? Like, hey, I remember where I was to see this event, this athlete, this moment in, in past Summer Olympics. Cool. Um, I feel like this is just a, just sort of a bad example of, of how I feel like my memory fails me. And I, and I have like a lot of kind of memories of different things, but, but definitely not the, like, where was I, what, what was I doing? Uh, I mean, um, track and field, there've been a number of just like incredible races. Um, but like Usain Bolt kind of bursting onto the scene, I think, eight years ago now or more longer than that i think he was well, i think it was yeah 2008 and 2012 oh geez um and him doing that like this the you know winning the race kind of he finished the race or he was celebrating his victory long before the race was over because he was so far ahead of everybody else and then he did his like standard the pro the pose that he throws at the end and it was just like man that that was so cool and he had broken you know he would have broken all these records but he didn't because he's like <laughs> i'm getting chills just thinking about it that was one of the moments i had and just to like build off ricky he ran a 969 which was he broke the world record he's these are all the other nine are the fastest other men in the world and usain bolt is steps ahead of them and he's turning sideways before the race even ends to celebrate his victory and look at the clock it's like you said at the beginning, just to see some of these athletic feats and particularly in a sport that's just running, right? It's, there's no, I mean, I don't want to denigrate runners, but there's no like necessary special skill. It is just like, you are the fastest man. He is the fastest man in, of all time that we know. And it was 
to, to watch that, I remember that's one of those where I, I remember watching it live and being like, my goodness, that was electric. And he was, like you said, he was such a showman with the bolt, the salute. It was uh, really, a, you know, he was probably the last mega, mega male track star that we've had. Yeah. I mean, well, and it, it is, it's interesting that you say like, doesn't take a, a specialized skill, but in many ways, it almost makes it more impressive because literally everybody sprints at some oh, yeah. point in their life. Yeah. And like, if you're any good, you know, you get kind of get noticed and you're, you know, you, you work your way up, but he's literally the fastest of all the fastest people on the planet. Um, which is, which is so cool. I mean, there's similar kind of moments like that. Uh, Michael Phelps, like in, in the pool, that kind of, that kind of stuff. And just, I, I've, and I like, a bunch of athletes whose names I won't remember, but, you know, got up there to the diving board needing to, you know, nail one dive and just like, you know, crushing it flawlessly and, and, and seeing that kind of stuff. Um, Like you said, you're like so wrapped up in it and you're wrapped up in these rivalries between people you don't know, but you've picked, you know, you picked your horse and you're, you're rooting for them. And it's um, that kind of stuff is, is a ton of fun. I, I did have two, I guess moments that I didn't witness. Um, right. Obviously, I oh, want before to I get in one before you do historic ones, All right. because you mentioned Michael Phelps, and he's definitely one of those athletes that I associate with the Summer Olympics. It's just even like growing up, he was. It seemed like he was always there, right? Like 2004, 2008, 2012, and then he did 2016. Uh, and far and away, I think he has 26 total medals, which is I think more than double the the next closest person in in all of the Olympic history. So it's obviously one of if we're doing a Mount Rushmore of Olympians he's probably on it uh not just U.S. Olympians but Olympians period uh but there was a race think back in 2008 and this was when he was trying to break Mark Spitz's record of seven gold medals and so he was he was uh signed up for eight events and this was the third event and it was a four by 100 meter relay and the so it's like I mean, Phelps can do a leg, but he's got to count on three other teammates to, to carry him through. And there were some other like really strong countries that year. Um, Australia was really good. I, I think the, the Brits were really good, uh, but France was the favorite. And France had been talking like a lot of junk going into the race about how like they were going to be the ones that were going to prevent Phelps from getting his eight gold medals. And so Phelps, I think, did the, the second, first or second leg. And they, get, they head into the fourth leg and the United States is down. And the, the person closing it is this dude, this Frenchman, um, Elaine, I'm going to blank on his last name, but uh, he's the fastest 100 meter sprinter in the world. And Jason Lezak hops in. This is a guy whose name I should have no business knowing, but Jason Lezak hops in the phone. I mean, hops in the pool and he chases, he chases Elaine down uh, and he touches, he out touches him by like, 0.08 seconds it's the fast it's the closest race that has ever been uh, contested in in olympic swimming history both france and united states were four broke the world record by four seconds and it's everyone should go honestly go youtube this video and play the entire race it's like an eight minute long video or whatever lezak out touched him and it's the famous phelps who's like screaming with his muscles he's got his arms out and his muscles are like veins are just popping out and it's it was only his third gold medal but it kept that hope alive and it was just like an incredible moment of with with 25 meters to go it had no chance of catching him and he caught him whatever like those are the moments that really make the olympics special and that that was 13 years ago now and that's one of those like i remember where i was for that moment jason lezak but 
<laughs> 13 years later, I remember that guy's name. So, all right, give me some historic ones. Well, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of tough to be. I, I think the Olympics um, in this moment, just as, as we really start to think about a certainly race in this country and, and kind of more globally uh, Jesse Owens in Berlin in 1936 uh, basically as Hitler is kind of pushing forward uh, a lot of like genetic superiority of the white race. And this guy comes in from the United States and I think he won like six or so medals, maybe, maybe four. I'm not exactly sure. He won, he won, a, he won a lot and he kind of dominated um, the track track and field there. And he did it in front of Hitler and, you know, what I mean, what a what a moment in history, and and then kind of on the flip side of that, um, a poster that I had for a long time that I didn't really know much of the history of, um, 1968, Tommy Smith and John Carlos in Mexico City, uh, hoisting their the the black power fists um, with the one black glove during the the national anthem, which was kind of the knee before the knee. Uh, before Kaepernick took took the knee right it was um, we were representing a country that is not fully invested in us as people um, but we still run and we still you know are, are bringing home the medals and I think um, it's always interesting to think about sports and how it is kind of a reflection of the best of society, but you can't always, or kind of the a reflection of the best of like how we think society's ideals should kind of play out where, you know, may the best man or woman win on any given day, you know, everyone's got the same shot. Um, and, but at the same time, you can never fully extricate it from the sort of the, the constructs of, everyday life. And so those moments are things that I learned about and I've seen photos of um, that remind me that that these events are are special because they kind of transcend sports um, in general. And like you said, in, in today's day and age of you know athletes and, and media, it will be interesting to see, particularly you know, as, as Americans from like the United States point of view of how athletes use their platforms. And um, there are several in the track and field world, uh, in, the, in the women's soccer team that have already have, have experienced and have spoken out about issues from you know, racial injustice to um, LGBTQ issues and gender inequality and some of these things that exist in our society and certainly exist and a far greater extent, unfortunately, in, in much of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be fascinating to see how that plays out. I mean, I'm always a little bit torn on that. And I think the the example you gave of the, the 68 Olympics and John Carlos and Tommy Smith, you know, to me, they did it almost perfectly, right? They're, they're standing there, they have the American flag, you know, but they have the fists up, right? And it, it, it it's that duality of like, I, I'm racing for the United States and I'm, I'm proud to be from here. But at the same time, this is not a country that treats me equally when I'm at home. And if like, if you're going to be out there screaming for me and rooting for me now, like you should be doing the same things when, you know, I'm your neighbor and in, in, in your street, like, and I don't know, maybe that's an unfair standard to, to hold athletes to. And we've talked about this before. It's certainly not my place to tell athletes how to protest, but I hope, I hope 
athletes find the right balance of you forming their voices and inequalities, but also be cognizant of that you are representing the United States and you're, and you're performing for your country. And there should be an element of, of pride in doing that as well. Yeah. And I think in so many ways, the Olympics are one of those few avenues or venues that, that allows for a little bit of both of that. So it'll be looking forward to see it. Great. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk about, and this is now looking ahead to the, the 2022 Olympics, which are going to be held in Beijing. And, you know, I don't think we need to tell our audience, but China is certainly in my opinion, and not doing a lot of really good things in the world. Um, led by a communist party that uh, suppresses a lot of its people. I would argue that they're committing genocide in their country against the, the Muslim uh, minority in, in part of their, their country and um, really human rights atrocities against a, a number of, of, you know, unfortunately thousands if not millions of their people. And you referenced Jesse Owens in 1936, and that was a really special moment for sure. On the other hand, there's a strong argument to be made that the United States never should have been there. And that at the time, Hitler and the Nazi party had, had taken over Germany and had already begun suppressing and oppressing Jewish people in, in, in Germany. And some of the things that they were, the policies that eventually led to the Holocaust, Holocaust were already being put in place by 1936. And while the world maybe didn't know exactly what was happening, just like we don't know exactly what is happening in China, the world was aware of generally speaking, who Hitler was and what he was doing. And what Hitler was able to do in 1936 is kind of kick all that stuff to the side and put on this grand spectacle of the Olympics and everyone's there and it's it's business as normal, right? It's just these athletes competing. We're out in Germany and Germany actually seems pretty fine to the international community. And unfortunately, that's, you know, I would say one of the reasons why people didn't consider Germany the threat that it actually was and was becoming because Hitler was able to throw this event and it just seemed like, wow, all these reports of, of, um, you know, of abuse and of, of terrible discrimination against Jews in, in Germany, or maybe they're a little overblown. It seems okay to me. So looking ahead to 2022, does the United States participate? Like, there are certainly been, you know, petitions circulating and, uh, you know, outcries from some parts of the political spectrum and from some parts of, uh, you know, the United States and the business world that says like, we shouldn't be competing here. And this wouldn't be unprecedented. You know, in, in 1984, the, the United States, the Olympics were held in the Soviet Union. The United States did not attend and a number of Western countries did not attend. I, I think there's a strong argument to be made that the United States shouldn't in the Western countries, people who are against what China is doing to go to the Olympics is a little bit acquiescing in, in saying that what China is doing in its own country and in the global community is okay. And I think the strong argument made that we shouldn't be participating in those Olympics. It's still a year away, but it's something that can't is not can't be deciding it, you know, a month before. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess I sh- definitely shouldn't dismiss um, that argument outright. It's fun- funny as I was kind of looking up a little bit of the the Jesse Owens story. Um, he and President Carter, I think, eighty four Carter. Uh, Carter was out by 80. Reagan was 84. Where were the eight? Oh, no, the 80 Olympics were in the U.S., right? Yeah, um, yeah I, I thought I, I read something about, or maybe it was 
Carter was also supportive of a boycott of the Olympics and some back and forth that they had where Jesse Owens was like, no, you have to go and you have to, to send the athletes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's right. Like we, we talked about these protests and by and large, most, most athletes that have done any form of protests have actually been, uh, you know, had either had their medals stripped or like something bad happened to them because there's this kind of ethos around the Olympics that, it is separate from politics and what is going on in the world. Um, and certainly like a boycott obviously hurts us as fans, hurts our athletes who are, you know, training their whole lives to, to, to do this. Um, but, but, you know, you could, you could certainly argue that, that it sends the right message. I think we have to be careful to, to understand exactly what standard we're holding China to and what lens that we view them through. And I, and I don't disagree that all, you know, a lot of what you said is, is certainly happening. Um, but I worry, like, I mean, you, you could have said, you could have made an argument for banning the U S from Olympics from, you know, the start of the Olympics in like 1896 all the way through the civil rights act, right? Like you, you certainly could have made that argument for a very similar treatment of a, a population within their own country, like oppressing certain people, not having the same laws. Like, again, yes, you can say that was 1950 and this is, and this is 2000, but, but even going back to some of our involvement in foreign conflicts, like they're, there has to be some type of, of, I, all right. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, 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 I'm not, I don't disagree that we should find ways to hold anybody to account for the types of things that you have talked about. I don't necessarily know that boycotting the Olympics is the right way. And I'm not sure if the hypocritical is the right word but there are a lot of people that would view the U.S. probably in a similar light to the way that we view what China is doing. And maybe you, you like those equivalencies are or overstretched, or maybe it is that we kind of hear one sort of narrative about the good or the bad that they're doing in certain places. And the reality is maybe a more mixed picture. Yeah, that's nice of you to be open-minded like that, um, and probably a good reminder that I, I should be more so. But I don't think that's a fair comparison, the United States from 1896 to 1968 or in 2021. Uh, like I said, as far as I am aware, and the, China is committing, in what, what, my, what is my opinion, a genocide against um, this Uyghur Muslim minority population in, their, in one of their regions. Uh, there's hundreds of thousands that we know of, of people that are detained in mass detention camps. There are, uh, you know, pe people that are, you know, being quote, like re-educated and there's uh, like birth control that China, the Chinese government is imposing on these people, forced labor. Uh, to me, nothing the United States has done is comparable. This is as bad a human rights violation as I think has, has happened in, in recent times. Uh, so yeah, I, perhaps I need to ex expand my, my view um, and try, but <laughs> I'm not so inclined to do that in this case. I, I feel like this is different and something that we should seriously consider. Um, I do want to at least 
uh, fact-checked myself, and this is why you were correct here. The United States boycotted the 1980 Summer Olympics in Russia, in the Soviet Union. And so you were correct that it was President Carter that decided to, to boycott those Olympics. Um, and then the Soviet Union and the Soviet bloc in turn boycotted the 1984 Olympics here in, in the United States in, in retaliation. So like I said, it's just, this is history. And this is something that, you know, not to end on a down note, but we'll have to keep an eye on. And it's like you said, there are many tactics to highlight the the terror, the atrocities that the, this Chinese regime is, is doing to their own people. And again, I would argue it in, in the world stage as well. Um, and this may be not be one of them because like you said, it, it takes away from the global community. It takes away from the United States athletes. And there's a lot of reasons not to do it. I'm just saying that I think of all arguments in the last 30 years of all Olympics that we would potentially be going to, this is one where I do feel like it, it merits a serious conversation. I would not disagree with the serious conversation. Fair enough. Okay, that's what we try to do here every once in a while. This this wasn't the most serious, so at least we'll end on a serious note, I guess. But uh, hopefully people enjoyed. Hopefully we'll keep, uh, you know, we're not going to do a whole episode on the Olympics while they're going on or at the end or anything. But like I said, the Olympics kick off this weekend. And I'm, I'm super excited for it. I, I can't wait to watch. I, we mentioned just a few of the athletes and a few of the events, but it's just, it's awesome just turning on the TV and getting all of the different events that you could always throw something on. And, and there'll be athletes from the United States and from the world that I have never heard of or barely heard of, and they will become household names here in this country and in the world. And I'm excited to see all of that happen as well. Me too. Looking forward to it, buddy. Cool. All right. Cool. Until next time. Talk to you soon. See ya. We stay up all night on Garner Avenue Debating all the issues of the day No agenda, not yet Talking heads, running around till we forget where it was we began Some mornings you were away Some morning left your ego bruised But what I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find in a case of lion's head folks of different minds because even though we did not share the pains we share that American ideal friends made over arguments in an early morning buzz need an early morning buzz learn the hard way but to those who would die upon that hill Quiet truth is better Than a ram Somewhere along the line We seem to have forgotten The values sometimes Being wrong Some mornings you away Some morning let your ego bruise But what I wouldn't give For the hope I used to find in a case of lion's head and folks of different minds because though we didn't share opinions we share loud American ideal friends made over arguments and an early morning buzz I need an early morning buzz
hope behind the bluster Cause the old Main Street may not sell It's full of folks just like you and me When we have trouble seeing The human for the politics It's time to find a better way to disagree Some days you win Some days you leave your ego through well, I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find And change the lies head And folks with different minds Because though we did not share Opinions we share on that American ideal Friends made over arguments And an early morning buzz Well, I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find And change the lies head Folks are different minds Because though we did not Share opinions We share that American ideal Friends made over arguments In an early morning buzz I need an early morning buzz